series on the Holy Spirit. And um, before I get started, I want to tell you two books that I would encourage you to read. I'm going to be talking about today how the Holy Spirit um, is the initiator, the um, one who allows us to experience. This is what I'm trying to say. How the Holy Spirit allows us to experience God's love. Okay? If Jesus sits on, on, on high right now in heaven, um, we know that when we experience his love, it is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to prove that to you in the Bible today. And uh, these are two um, books I'd like to recommend. This one's called The Father Heart of God. It's by Floyd McClung Jr., Experiencing the Depths of His Love for You. The, what I'm going to kind of put forward today is that if you are wanting to make it through life in the midst of tribulation and trouble, heartache, struggle, the only way for you to do that is by being in a love relationship with God. It won't happen any other way. And that begins with you first understanding God's love for you. And um, this is the book. I would really recommend this. I've never read it. I haven't even know we sold it. I just went in the bookstore and Joey said, oh yeah, this is a book everyone's reading on the love of God stuff. And so here, this is really, really good from what Jody said, all right? If you've read this book, raise your hand. Right there, Martha, thank you very much. <laughs> I moved lots of money around to get her on staff and it has paid off, let me tell you. So if this book is not any good... Lady in the Pink, Fuchsia, right there. All right, I have read this book, though. This book is a... Look at that. Look how good we are. We are so tech-savvy and slick in our new little space. All right. Also, this book is called The Father Loves You, An Invitation to Perfect Love by Ed Peoric. This guy is a minister. I read this book. It is awesome, off the chart, amazing. He's a vineyard pastor. Talked about how he got dried up and just how God met him and just blew him away. And so um, I would really recommend this book. If you've read this book, raise your hand. Martha, thank you. There's four others, four or five others. Thank you. So there's, if you're going to pick one, this is it. All right? So those are two resources we have in the books where you can get those. Also, RCC 1 and 2, we have those over there. This one's 10, the other one's 5. The story of what God's doing in our church. They're powerful. They're awesome. Get those there too. All right? Now then, I just want to thank everybody, first of all, for praying for me. I know that um, you saw me jumping on the first row, going for a little bit and dancing. And that's okay because, you know, I've been faking it. I really haven't been sick at all. And that came out. But, um, but uh, um, I wanted to say a special thanks to Tom Rossi. I, I, call, I emailed him. I called him last night. He's been speaking for me every life course. I haven't been able to speak. The doctors have had me on bed rest. I recovered at some level. They said that I'm back in therapy. I can move around. They said I can start doing mild exercises. And so I'm like, hey, if I got to damage my hip anymore, I'm going to worship whenever I feel like God's calling me to worship. I mean, it's the only exercise I've had in three months, you know. So it's like I'm panning. I'm about to fall over afterwards. And he's down in the spirit. No, he just passed out. There he is. He's just gone. He's exhausted. But anyway, my little calves are like, boom, boom, boom. Anyway, okay, so I call Ross. Tom Ross. He's been amazing, 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 amazing. I call him last minute. He steps in. He's been doing a great job in the life course. Great job last week, the week before. But, but so many other people as well. So, the staff have just really stepped up and have done amazing things. I'm not fully healed. But I called him last night. I have an analogy I'm going to start with today. And in tribute for Tom, I asked him, could you bring a lightsaber for my illustration? Because we all know that Tom likes lightsabers. And so I, I found mine. And it's like this one right here, right? Well, Tom, let me just tell you, walks in this morning. Like, 
grinning ear to ear. Like, I wasn't going to answer the phone at 10 o'clock last night because I was afraid you were going to ask me to speak. So, but when I got your text and it said, could you bring a lightsaber in? He came up and he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's a lightsaber, folks, right here. So I'm going to put mine down right here. You know, you can't hear it, but it's making noise. And it glows and stuff like that. If I had power, I would turn off the lights right now. But um, I want to start with this illustration. Last night when I was praying about coming in and speaking today. Can anyone see me over there? I was praying, coming in and speaking today. I had no motivation. I was not motivated. I was tired. I was exhausted. That's one of the things that's going on with me. I just don't feel, feel really tired all the time for some reason. And um, so I had some people pray for me, and I went in. And I started praying and worshiping in my office. And I, um, right away, I had this picture. I had this word from the Lord. And what I mean by that is that, like, this inner voice as I was praying to him just kind of said to me, he said, Antley, you feel like you've been fighting off your heels. You've been fighting off your heels, basically is what he said. And I immediately had this picture of me literally stumbling backwards and kind of, you know, this is what the lightsaber's for. I don't really need the lightsaber, but it's an honor of Tom. <laughs> you know, is that uh, it's literally kind of, fall, you know, falling back on my heels and kind of fighting like this and kind of being on the defensive, not being able to get, firm ground, and I'm like, I like to fight like this, moving forward, balanced, strong, you know, like that. But the picture I had is God just said, you know, you have felt like, and it was totally right on. You know, whenever God says something, you're like, where'd that come from? That must be God. I never would have made that up. And then this picture of me fighting kind of on my heels, and that's exactly how I felt. And I felt like, I've talked to people, that that's some of what's been happening with maybe a lot of us right now for different reasons. And, um, in the picture, as I began to pray into that and listen to God speak to me about that, I had this, this picture of Jesus coming in the room, because now I'm up on stage doing it, because I know I'm going to have to do this tomorrow. And, I'm, I, and, and in the room, Jesus comes in the room and begins to, to fight for me or with me, okay? Now, a lot, of us, a lot of times I think whenever we think about Jesus fighting with us, it's like he's alongside of us, but that's not where he was. That's the cool thing about the story, is that he stepped in behind me, and he was like, like holding me almost. And so, and he was able to put, like whenever he wanted me to go forward, he would push me forward. But there were, but in, this, in the picture, honestly, I was still retreating. The difference was, as I felt Jesus behind me. He was right behind me. And you know what he said to me? What do you think he'd say to you if you were fighting like this, you're on your heels, you're feeling down, you're tired physically, emotionally, spiritually. What do you think he would say to you? I know what most of you think. Most of you think, Fight harder. You're doing this wrong. Get away, you know, get around. Do this, do that, do the other. You're not doing enough. You know, man up. What are you doing? Balance yourself. Get off your heels. That's what we think when we think about Jesus coming into our life in the midst of failure, in the midst of struggle in our life. We think his words to us will be something of the effect of, you need to do better. When actually that's a lie from the enemy. The only words we need to hear when we're struggling is, I love you, is I love you. And that's what he said to me. He said, I love you. In the midst of your failure, the midst of your struggle, while you're back on your heels, I'm here with you. This is a reality of life. You will walk through this, but I will be with you. This is the foundation, folks, for what it means to succeed in life with Jesus supporting us, is that he has our back. And he doesn't have our back like this, and he's fighting this way, like warding off the enemies that are coming from behind. 
You think they're going to be able to mess with him if he's behind, if he's got your back? He's, he's with you. His eyes are over your shoulder. He is guiding you. He is strengthening you. He is supporting you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It is that love relationship, that reality. Do you believe, Antley, that I love you while you're stumbling, while you're falling, while you're struggling? Do you believe that I love you, that I'm here in the midst of this? Romans 5, I'm going, to, I'm going to go through Romans 5, 1 to 10 today, but really 6 to 10 is just the foundation for what I've just said. It's the foundation that we're able to believe and really what I want to speak on today in verse 5, and it's actually in verse 5. But I want to start with verse 6 to 10 because we have every reason to believe that Jesus would not say work harder. What we, what we should believe is that he would say, I love you, and this is why. Romans 5, man, Roman is tricky. I hate preaching on Romans. It's so easy for me to screw it up and like say something heretical. So if I do... I'm tired. I'm on my heels. It says this in Romans 5, 6 to 10. For while we were still weak, on our back, backing up, lightsaber in front, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not when you were strong, not when you had it together, not when you had done all the right things, none of that. When you were weak, while you were, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life if jesus came in the room and he said do this do that do this you're not doing that what does it do to that ver- what does it do to that scripture it nullifies it doesn't it that scripture says i've done everything while you were jacked up while you were messed up while you were drunk while you were in poverty while you were broken when you were weak physically emotionally and spiritually guess what i loved you anyway and i sent my son to die for you And if I did that while you were a jacked up sinner where my wrath was on you, which it was before we come to Christ, while I, wrath was on you, when God didn't like us, if he did that, how much more now, as we are with him, should we be understanding and living in in a love relationship and in this reality that we have been justified once and for all? Yet, when we're fighting, if, let's say that we believe this now because I've just convinced you that this is what Paul said and you believe that it's true. Okay, good, that's good. I believe Jesus walks in the door. He says, I love you. Great, that's with me. And then this is the next question God said. What do you want to say to me, Antley? And my reaction is, nine, three, eight, four, please go to the nursery, Jesus. Is that your number, Jesus? Nine, three, eight, four. Spirits crying in there. All right, here we go. What? If, now, what would you say to Jesus? He's got your back. He's got your back. And this is what most of us would say to him. When we're fighting, we're fighting Jesus. I love you. And we say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I messed up. I'm sorry that I'm a screw up. I'm sorry that I failed again. I'm sorry that I looked at that again on the internet. I'm sorry that I 
question your love for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I screwed up, that I messed up, that I am a mess up. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. Wrong response. That makes you a sorry Christian. That's the title of my talk. Sorry, Christians. Let's stop being those. But you're in good company. Show me the video clip number two of the, um, the one that I have. The one. Matrix 2. It's a great scene. Turn the volume up because it's low. Trent. Push it forward a minute. Trinity? What is it, Trinity? Listen. What's wrong? I can't go with you, do you? I've gone as far as I can. What? I saw that, and right away, that was the beginning of me thinking about this talk. We are just like Trinity. 
We are just like Trinity. In the first movie, if, you, if you've never seen it, first of all, quit reading your Bible and go see The Matrix, okay? It's a great gospel story. She dies because she's fighting the bad guys. And she knows that she's screwed up. He catches her and he brings her. And just before she's getting ready to die, she says, I'm sorry. And basically in this scene, she says, I wish I wouldn't have said that. It was the last thing that I said to you. But instead of saying sorry, I wish I would have had the chance to say what I really meant. To say that I loved you. And then she says this, which is powerful, especially for us. She says, but you brought me back so that I could tell you how I really feel. This morning, Jesus is giving you the opportunity. He has brought you back from sin and death and everything that you have done wrong. That you have screwed up. And you've screwed up a lot. All of us have. He has brought you back and given you the chance. And he doesn't want to hear you say that I'm sorry. He wants, you to, he wants to hear you say, I love you. I love you, Jesus. And until you're able to say that, you don't understand the gospel of Christ, which is, while we were still sinners, God loved us anyway and sent his only son to die for us so that we might not perish but have life forever. Not having to do anything with what's happening in our life. It has to do with everything that God has done for us. That is the truth. That is the gospel. That is the foundation for succeeding in this life. Is a love relationship with Jesus. It's time to stop being a sorry Christian. All of us, we need to stop being sorry Christians. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm not saying you don't need to confess and repent to your brothers and sisters when you mess up. I'm not saying that. But stop making excuses for what you believe. Do you believe what Romans says? Do you believe that scripture that Jesus has paid it all? That's not scripture. A song? Do you believe Jesus has paid it all? Do you believe the scripture that Paul wrote? Because it's only until you believe that, that you are loved by God, and that you love God, that you will be able to make it through life. It's the only way. At Young Life, I used to be a Young Life leader. I worked on Young Life. I was taking it to camp. In, in cabin time, we did this little thing in cabin time. And I always ask kids, after they heard the gospel, the, like the whole deal, I'd always ask kids to find out where they were rather than saying, do you believe that? I would never say that because everyone would say yes. So I'd say, hey, if Jesus walked through the door, what do you think he'd say to you? And then I'd say, what do you think that you'd say to him? And every single one of them would say, well, he'd probably say something like, if they, if they didn't understand the gospel yet, they would say something like, well, he would say, you're doing a pretty good job, but you need to do better. You know, which is clear. They're clueless still. And then I'd say, well, what, do you, what would you say to him? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not doing more than, more than I am. That's what they say. And they, they're clear. They don't understand the gospel. But if they say, he would say, I love you. And I would all tell him. I was like, this is what Jesus would say when he walked through the door. If he walked through that door, if he walked through that door. If he, like, levitated to the roof right now. That would be awesome. He would say, I love you. He would say, I love you. And he would look at you and say, and... And his desire would be for you to say, his desire would be for you to say back to him, I love you. I love you, Jesus. If we understand that reality, everything else can happen. Anything can happen to us and we'll still survive. I'll prove it. Romans 5, 1 to 5, the scripture I really wanted to preach on today, but don't have time to really, I'm going to skip through. Because it makes my point. The way we come into this love relationship with God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in tribulation or struggle right now, and you're struggling to believe that you're loved by God, you love God, it's probably because you haven't experienced the power of the Spirit, the love of God's Spirit in your life. And I'm going to prove it right here. This is what it says in Romans 5, 1 to 5. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. That was my TV evangelist voice right there for a second. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is the foundation for everything. Let me start with verses 1 to 5, therefore, or 1 to 2. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access to faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to explain just quickly what is happening here. Paul's it's the beginning of the chapter. He just finished talking about Abraham, you know, and like how Abraham had faith. He goes into this right here. He's, trying, he's talking to Gentiles and to Romans and to mixed churches of Jews and Gentiles. And he's trying to get them to believe that everything is about Christ. You know, it's not about your rules and regulations, whether you are part of the Jewish family or not, or you're a Gentile or you're a Roman. He's like, it's all the same. It's about Jesus, okay? And so he says this, therefore... We've been justified by faith, faith in what Jesus has done. That's why I read the first thing first a little while ago. And we have peace with God because of Jesus, okay? And then we have this language of the temple. Through him, we also have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Now, this is a very powerful statement or sentence right here that Paul says. And basically what he's saying is he's using temple language right here. And he says, we have access by faith. Access into what? Into God's presence. In the Old Testament, remember he's talking to people who are used to the temple, talking to Jews here, who are used to, well, who gets access to God's space? Only in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest does. One dude a year. And then he died sometimes, right? And so basically what Paul's saying is that because of what Christ has done, we have access into this place with God because we have peace with God now. And so we're allowed into this holy place, into his grace. And that word grace there, what it means is that we get to step into God's, it's basically into the presence of his power and his love and his joy, into his very presence. That's what grace means right there. It's kind of shorthand, what Paul uses there, the Greek word there. And so we have, because of what Jesus has done, we have access into God's presence where there is grace, where there is the God of the universe is there. And he waits for us in which we stand. And he asks us, come in, breathe of this reality that you are created for. Take in this air that I've made for you that you would never experience on your own. And this air that we breathe is full of his grace, full of his love, full of his compassion, full of his power. Everything that is present with God, we have the opportunity because of what Jesus has done to experience. And it's like he wants us to stay there and stand, which we stand. And again, this, all the language underneath this, all the Greek language on this, is that we are standing in this presence. Soaking is really the best word. Soaking in this presence. And we're breathing in, absorbing God's very nature. And what happens here? There's, if I could say this word, it would be the best example of what is happening here, okay? But what happens is we stay in God's presence and we breathe in who he is. We breathe in his love and his power and it builds in us and it builds in us and it builds in us and it builds, builds, builds until it wants to explode out. 
It's like something explodes out. I can't say it. It's like a spiritual explosion, okay? It's this explosiveness that happens. And it ends in us worshiping God. That's what happens. As we stand in his presence, as we stand in his grace, we experience his love. We experience this reality. This is who he is. This is who I've been created to be. This is what it's, this is what it's supposed to be like whenever I follow Christ. This freedom, this life, this love, this power, this passion. Wow, this is amazing. Woo! You dance at chairs. You know, like, oh, that hurt a little bit. Anyway. You know, we, and we go for it, and our expression is worship, and we worship out of that place. That's what's happening in these first two verses. Pretty exciting. Spiritual explosion right there. And then it's like Paul knows what people are saying. Oh, yeah, if you're having all this great relationship with God, or everything's going so good, then how come there's still bad things happening in your life, Christian? How come you're still fighting on your heels? How come things aren't going the way they should? And he, like, knows. God knows that that's how non-believers think about us. And that's how other people in the church think about us. And so Paul says this. More than that, even outside of that place, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul knows the normal path of moving the kingdom of God forward will lead him into tribulation. It led Jesus into tribulation. As followers of Jesus, it's naturally what will occur when we follow Jesus. And Paul gives us this kind of progression. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It's like this progression that Paul's communicating to us that as we are in this progression, God is refining and making us who we are made to be, coming into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And then it's a natural process of what God's doing in our life. In the same way, Waiting and soaking in God's presence makes us who we're supposed to be, and we begin to believe that, and we explode in worship. In the same way, as we endure tribulations, God is using that to refine us to become who he's made us to be, both in the same direction of us discovering who God's made us to be. Now, Paul doesn't say, I rejoice because I'm suffering. Don't go around looking for suffering. I know. I've met Christians like this. I got a flat tire. Hallelujah. This is awesome. I need a new leg. It's got cancer. Praise the Lord. I love cancer in my leg. I mean, I know. Maybe that's extreme. But that's how people act. That's not what Paul's saying. Suffering will find its way to your life. It will. You don't have to go looking for it. But what Paul is saying is that because of verses 1 and 2, I have this reality going on in my life. Even in the midst of suffering, it doesn't change that reality. I trust that God is still making me who I've been created to be. It doesn't change the spiritual reality of my relationship, my love relationship that God loves me and I love God. And I'm able to endure that. I'm able to make it through that, trusting that God's hand is in everything, that he is refining and making me into the person that I've been created to be. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. 4, 8. We are in every way oppressed, but not made anxious. We are in danger, but we are not in despair. We suffer persecution, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. And I'll tell you, folks, if you're fighting on your heels and you're in one of these seasons of tribulation where God's trying to develop your character to make you who you're created, it's hard. This is where I've been. This has been, this has been really difficult for me, just being in bed all the time. I hate it. I told you I like advancing, move forward, being balanced and stuff. 
I was reading this last night, and just like God, someone came and prayed for me, actually, and they said, you know, Antley, the picture I have is that what makes you the leader at River City Church, what, what really, God really wants you to know is that it doesn't have to do with you being present with your staff or being present in the church. It's the spiritual place that God's play, put you in. And you're to pray. You're to bring a spiritual strength that only you can bring to the church. And you need to be obedient in that area. And you need to be listening to God right now and resting right now. I mean, it's hard. I'll tell you, it's hard. In the middle of that, though, in the middle of this time, Laura started experiencing headaches. I was like, great, something else. This is what we need. I'm already on my back feet. And she was having headaches for over two weeks. And they wouldn't go away. She was taking medicine. They'd go away for a little while. They'd come back. She was starting to get worried. I was a little stressed out about it. And, um, and, and I, I mean, we were. We were concerned about it. And I said, you know what? I said, this is right in the middle of it. I said, let me pray for you. They call me Ofer. O for one, O for two, O for three. You know I me mean, when I pray for people. But I'm not O for anymore because I pray for a lot of people who have been healed, but not frequently. So Laura comes in. I was like, just let me pray for you. And I just felt like as I started praying for her, God's presence come. I just laid my hands on her head, and I just said, Lord, I, and I, started, I just don't remember what I prayed. And, and they were gone, and they haven't come back. And in the middle of that, God said, I'm, making, I'm developing your character. You know, and he gives me a breath of fresh air when I need it. He walks with me. But what gets me through it is my belief that God loves me and that I love him. And that I didn't do anything special to heal Laura. It was God's love for her that healed her through the power of, her, of, of his spirit. And that's what happens when God, when we let, let God be God. And then we have this last line, and then we're going to, I'm done. In verse 5, and this is a really powerful verse. This is my favorite verse. This is really what I was going to preach on the whole thing. But you're getting two minutes of it right here. It says this in verse 5. And hope does not put to shame, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. Hope does not put us to shame. What in the world does that mean? I didn't know that either last night. I had no idea. I started reading. I started learning about it. And it's like this. This is what the commentator says. He's been talking about Abraham. Basically, that as Christians, we're called to hope upon hope. Like Abraham. Abraham was told, you know, you're going to have a baby. And, and, and basically God said, look, I don't want you to look at what is seen around you to determine what you believe. I want you to hope upon hope. I want you to hope in the reality of who I am and the hope that I am in your life, that I will make these things come to pass. Regardless, Christian, of your circumstances, regardless of what's happening in your life, regardless of what you see or what is unseen, there is a reality, a promise that I make to you as your father that I love you. And that when I say I will do something, I will do it. And I want your hope to be on that reality, not what you see happening or not see happening. In your life, in the world, in the church, anything, it has to do with us trusting God. And our hope will not, not, we won't be put to shame because our hope isn't in the results of what we see happening around us. If I prayed for Laura and she wasn't healed, does that change whether my hope is in Jesus or not? No. Because I know that I'm loved by him and that he loves me. The results aren't up to me. Does that make sense? So what's happening here, and then God says right here, and the way that you'll know this is true, the foundation for all of this being able to happen is that I will pour out my spirit in you, my love in you through the power of my spirit. And the word poured here really means diffused. And it's this very emphatic word that, Paul intentionally uses, and he says that this word poured right here means that into every part of our body and soul and spirit, every part of who we are, 
God's Spirit comes and pours himself out and pours out the love of God. There's a quote I want to read. It says this. Don't get hung up with the author. I'm not sure if it was Calvin or St. Augustine because it was like confusing how the commentary had it. It was very confusing. So I just put them both down. One of them said this. Sorry. If you don't like Calvin, choose the other guy. They said this. They said this about this verse, about what does it mean that the power of God is being poured out, that no other thing is taught by Paul than that the true fountain of all love, the true source of all love, the power of all love, when the faithful are convinced that they are loved by God and that they are not slightly touched with this conviction, they're not grazed by this reality, but have their souls thoroughly imbued. I had no idea what that meant. Imbued means soaked. It's interesting that we have a soaking ministry, isn't it? We have a soaking ministry for the sole purpose of allowing people to allow the Spirit of God to come in and pour out His love 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 love until our very nature, all of who we are, is filled to the brim and overflowing with the love of God. And it is only in that place that we will be able to say, yes, I believe God loves me. And I can have hope beyond hope because not only do I know that He loves me, but I know that I love Him. And regardless of what happens in my life, I will endure because I know that he loves me and that I love him. If you are on your heels, if you're struggling in life, if you're in a bad place, and you don't feel this way about God, you, you're angry, or you're mad, or you feel like you've been shafted, or you feel like this isn't right, or whatever, reality for you is that you have not been filled the way that God wants to fill you with his love. And the way that that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way that it happens. You can't read the Bible and it happened. You can't go to church and it happened. You can't do anything except for stopping and asking for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with his love. So as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, leave here knowing this. Today, Jesus has brought you back. He's brought you back. He doesn't want to hear you say, you're sorry. He wants you to hear He wants to hear you say, I love you. And if you don't feel like, feel like you love God, then come forward this morning. Or for any other reason, come forward this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, to fill you till you are soaked with the Spirit in a way that will allow you to leave here today with hope beyond hope. That regardless of what happens after you leave these doors, you are going to be okay because God loves you and because you love God. Let's stand.